On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we talk about the NFL preseason week one. We talk about a little bit of fantasy football, some documentaries, and a whole lot more. Let's go! Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Can y'all feel that? Can you feel that thing? That's who's like your doggone hands. That thing is beating your doggone chest right now. Can you feel that? Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. As always, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you hit us up on the Facebook and Instagram page at Carolina Sports Talk or hit us on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff, at carolinasportstalk.net. I am excited to be back again with you guys for another episode. It is NFL time, and we are going to talk a little bit about the preseason. But before we do, let me, as always, welcome my guy and yours, Mr. DJ Highstar in the building. What's good with you, bro? What's good? What's good, man? Ain't nothing, man. We right here, man. Glad to have you back. Yeah, I was uh, fresh off uh, a trip uh, from – I just went to New Jersey real quick to check out some of the Nets summer, summer action. Ah, how was that? How was that? The New Jersey Nets? Oh, yeah. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who may not know, <laughs> my guy was uh was not with me last week, and I was out here just uh, just going in, you know what I mean? And uh, I actually did uh, apparently not only go in, I just went in my DeLorean and went back in time. and back uh, was t- Exactly. Talking about the New Jersey Nets and not the brooklyn nets as they are but uh yeah, yeah he's like Derek, Derek uh coleman and, and keith van horn they gonna do their <laughs> thing whenever they listen white lightning is like that for the new jersey nets yeah but you know i mean it is what it is they, they, they get it the infinity stone gatherers up there man but uh we'll get into a little bit more basketball talk hopefully not about the new jersey nets a little bit later but i want to start off this week with the nfl and preseason week one uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have been excited to have football back. Just the smell of the grass and the, the clack of the pads, man. It, it, it is exciting to me, even if it was preseason. Um, I was a little bit let down with some of the games, specifically with the Panthers games, where not one of our starters saw any time on the field. But um, I think that's going to be the new trend with there only being three preseason games moving forward. Yeah, I, I fully expect that a lot of those teams are going to do just like the Panthers did, um, especially when you've got the scrimmages. So um, for those who may have been unaware, the Carolina Panthers took on the Indianapolis Colts this week in preseason. Uh, and what they did is because they were in Indianapolis scrimmaging the Colts all week while they were actually having their scrimmages and head to head practices. That's when they had their number ones playing and decided to allow their number twos and threes and the guys that were kind of looking to make the squad uh, to actually play during the game. And and it's the same that a couple other teams have been doing throughout the preseason as well. Uh, High Star, what stood out to you amongst the slate of games that uh, took place with the majority of them this past Saturday and then Panthers wrapping up week one on Sunday? Uh, the New England game, I know that ended 
It ended pretty well. The Philly versus Pittsburgh game as well. Um, just on the and I mean, of course, this is all preseason, so it's not too too much stock into a lot. Um, but teams do develop good and bad habits right now as far as closing out games or not closing out games. So uh, that stood out. The Panthers game, I guess the little highlight that was running around for like homie, um, excuse me, homie from the Colts breaking out a good run. And then he gets the taunting penalty after, uh, I guess, you know, a little rah-rah or something like that. That stood out as well. The no fun league that, that it kicked off that <laughs> trending topic on um, Twitter. So, those, yeah, those are the kind of the things that stood out to me, though, during the preseason. Yeah, for me that Patriots game was one that kind of was, was was catching my eyes just to not only see how Cam was going to do with the first couple of series that he had, but also um, Mac Jones to see, and to just mm-hmm. to see what he was going to be capable of. And right. um, it's it's unfortunate that I feel like things are stacked against the deck. The stack the deck is stacked against Cam to be successful there in New England. We already know that uh, the New Englanders have a certain expectation for what their quarterback should look like. We know that it is not Cam, and it is, in fact, Mac Jones. Um, and that was very evident by even the reception that Mac got when he even was coming on the field. Um, in that preseason game, It you would have literally thought Tom Brady had decided to leave Tampa <laughs> and come back when Mac Jones uh, got on that field. And then to make matters worse, he he threw a pretty ball, man. Uh, Cam's got to definitely look like 2015 Cam and come out winning and come out dy- dynamic and just dominant, or else he can very quickly find himself losing that starting job in New England. Um, additionally, for me, I was interested in watching some of the first-round rookie quarterbacks, including Mr. Justin Fields, who uh, rallied the Bears to a 20-13 to win over the Dolphins. Um, he, he seemed like he is going to be clawing for that, at that, for that spot, man, coming out going 14 for 20 and 142 yards and a touchdown. Um, he, he was nervous. You could tell starting off and scrambling a little bit and just ready to hit the, hit the hole. But then he settled in and really looked like what Ohio state had him looking like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, also another one that, um, <laughs> stood out to me was of course, Lawrence, um, the number one pick overall, Trevor Lawrence. Um, with the Jaguars losing a 13 to 23 game to the Browns, um, did you get a chance to check out any of those two games uh, with either with Justin Fields or with Trevor Lawrence to see what those rookies were going to look like? No, I, I did not. I did not. So I'm gonna tell you this: they are as advertised, specifically um, with Fields. I think he is the the most likely. Because well, let me rephrase that. We all know that eventually Trevor Lawrence is going to be the, the quarterback in, in uh, Jacksonville. But it's funny, man, because um, uh, Gardner Minshew is really going to have something to say about that competition down there, man. He said leading up into camp that he was not using the bathroom number two because there was nothing about him that was number two. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, and, he, and he played like it in the game as well, so... It's definitely going to be something to see. Ultimately, we know that that's going to be Lawrence's team, but I think the better competition is actually going to be in um, Chicago to see what the Red Rifle is able to do, um, and then if Justin Fields is going to be able to keep or take that number one spot. One other game that stood out to me in preseason um, was the the New Orleans Saints against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, 
We know that Mr. Drew Brees has retired down there in New Orleans, and they have, if not the heated, one of the most heated quarterback battles heading into week two uh, with Mr. Jameis Winston and Mr. Um, Hill out Mr. there. Crab, Mr. Crableg Winston. <laughs> Crableg Winston. Mr. Grabber by the Winston. Like, the dude is a clown. There's nobody. It's, he's almost, to me, like the equivalent of Dwight Howard in the league. Like, he's got mm, talent, mm. but he's a clown and he's jokey <laughs> and people realize it. And so as a result, they don't like him. <laughs> now, <laughs> I get it that he has, he's just as likely to throw, a t- he's going to throw touchdowns. Whether it be to his team, to the other team, or the right, other team, right, right. <laughs> he's gonna throw some touchdowns. <laughs> but, I see how you remixed it right before you started saying it. Yeah, like I mean, so I get it, but at the end of the day, he has an arm talent, and Taysom Hill is not the answer. The two of them had, I guess, a right. night and day performance in this first preseason game, as where Taysom came out looking really, really good, and then kind of tailed and trailed off. And this looked like he had no clue what he was going to do out there. Um, heavily and, and predominantly, I think it was a result of the game plan, um, having scripted. Because, you know, they come out, as most teams do, with scripted plays to begin the um, to begin the game. And so with, when it was those that he knew and it had an expectation of what he was going to do, and because the defenses weren't playing, but pretty much what we call vanilla defenses, he was able to look good. And then as it the game progressed, he started looking bad. And then in the second half, when Jameis got out there, he started off rocky. And it's like, oh, man, uh, uh, I'm, I'm out here. What, what, what am I going to do? And then settled in and, and threw some pretty, pretty uh, passes out to those wide receivers. And so um, I don't know what the Saints are going to do. Um, it, it's really going to be interesting to see, especially with them likely trading Michael Thomas. I don't see a scenario that he's going to be a Saint at the end of the season. Um, so we we, we, we got to keep our eyes on that one there, man. Yeah, Um First of all, I'm I'm happy you didn't say. Never mind, never mind. But um, Taysom Hill, uh, you know, is uh, I don't want to diminish him by calling him a novelty, but we know that he is, you know, uh, I can't think of the word. I guess I'll use novelty right now, and the 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 lack of a presence of a better word, but. He's he's a specialized quarterback. Like he has he has his, you know what I'm saying. Like you have sharpshooters in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like he has his special skill set. In other words, I got you. And it doesn't translate to face of the franchise starting quarterback. Absolutely not. He is a an amazing uh, wildcat quarterback or a, a trick Good play talent. quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, utility tool. He reminds me of Joe Webb back when he was with the Panthers where right. there was um, a stretch of games where I think it was like three games where Joe Webb saw significant time at quarterback, wide receiver, punt returner. <laughs> he played everything yeah, but defensive then, back. <laughs> and those type of guys, again, I don't want the face of the franchise and everybody that or the person that we're banking all of our money on as a franchise, I don't want him as that trigger man on the punt team because he might be able to do, um, you know, a fake punt or as a extra guy in the uh, field goal or, you know what I mean? Because he can do a, a fumble ruski or something. Exactly. Like, and risk all of that just because this guy's special skill set allows him to, you know, he's kind of, and the older you get for those young nifty ones, young shifties, just like in any other sport, 
that Father Tom don't play in. And look, Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco might be able to show speed and everything like that, but everybody don't keep it. Right. So they they got a mess down there on their hands, and we we'll we'll have to check it out and see how that plays out through the remainder of the preseason. Uh, one other quarterback I wanted to mention, first round um, pick of the San Francisco 49ers, Mr. Trey Lance had a uh, five for 14, 128 yard uh, performance with one touchdown. Um, even with one particular play where he threw this deep strike, um, it showed exactly why the 49ers were so high on them. Uh, they have said repeatedly and, and stuck by the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is their starter. But again, that's going to be another situation where I don't see him remaining the starter throughout the season um, be, be just because that young cat is just going to show them too much promise. Now, if Garoppolo comes out and it's just lights out and he looks like he did um, in, in his season in New England, then we'll see. But more than likely, you can anticipate and expect Trey Lance to be uh, that starter in San Fran. Um, just before we wrap up with the NFL, I wanted to talk about a story that I saw on um, Score.com that was showing the five most uh, undervalued team teams when it came to betting ahead of the year. Um, so they've listed their five teams that, based on the odds of the new of uh, New England of Las Vegas betting, which five were the best bets and undervalued teams to bet ahead of the 2021 season. So I'm going to list the five teams in the order that they have them here. Um, and then I want you from there. Well, I'll tell you afterwards. Uh, so the first team is the Tennessee Titans that is currently listed at plus 28 with an over under of nine and a half wins. Next is the Chicago bears with a plus 3,200 at seven and a half wins. The Miami dolphins at 35 plus 35 with uh, over under of nine and a half wins. The Washington football team coming in, in the fourth position with a plus 4,000 and eight and a half win over under. And then number five on this list really stood out to me. The Carolina Panthers at plus 8,000 with seven and a half win over under. So of those five teams, which do you think has the best chance to win the Super Bowl next year? Um, Titans, Bears, Dolphins, Titans, Washington, or and the, Panthers. Uh, I like I like the Titans and Washington. I mean, I'm of course a Panthers fan, so I would love to see us there. But thinking objectively, the Titans and Washington. I like Ron Rivera's stable hand out there in Washington mm -hmm. and Chase Young. And then also Tennessee, I like their offseason moves. And I already like their receiving core and their defense. So, mm -hmm. you know, those are the two teams that I would. So shout out to Ian Burnett, my brother, my little brother. Uh, I say little, that man grown. But my brother is a Titans really, fan. Yeah. <laughs> And I am going to give him and his team some love. The Tennessee Titans of that list are most realistically um, my favorite of those five to win the Super Bowl. However, comma, and I got to, I got to, I honestly can see all five of those teams making the playoffs. Um, and I realize with this season being what it is and being the longest season in NFL history with a total of 17 games and 18 weeks. 
Um, I know it's going to be harder, but I, 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 I'm in favor of all of those teams making the playoffs, man. Because I, and, and even if, if we go division by division with the NFC East with Washington, it is what it is. And, and, and like everybody's screaming Cowboys and Dak is back and all of that. But like you mentioned, Chase Young is a monster. Cam Newton was talking about it after the game. They were asked, so uh, what one thing surprised you about uh, Chase Young uh, after the game or during the game or anything? He was like, I thought he was bigger than that. And he laughed because, <laughs> of course, he was being sarcastic because that's a whole man right there, bro. Pause. Like, Absolutely. And, and, and he plays with a level of tenacity that is um, is – really lacking in today's game. And so that defense that they have, you mentioned Ron Rivera, um, they, the offseason moves they made with Curtis Samuel and shoring up some other wide receivers. And even with the move of Fitzmagic at the starting quarterback, he is the ideal quarterback for what Super Bowl quarterbacks need to be these days. With the exception of Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl quarterbacks as of late have been effective game managers and allowed their defenses to go out and excel and minimize the other team's assets and just not make mistakes and make critical mistakes. Now, Fitzmagic is kept capable, uh, and I keep calling him Fitzmagic, but that's, you know, Fitzpatrick is capable of making those big mistakes, but he's a lot less likely. Um, and even if he does, they've got um, Tyler out there at, at the second string who really, really has that capability of being a manager as well. So Washington is a threat in the NFC East with the Dolphins in the AFC East. The, that division is wide open, except for the Bills. <laughs> right, but I mean, well, put it like this: it's not that it's wide open; it's going to be a slug fest, really. So, I will say that. So, but I can the see Bills, them, the Pats, and the Dolphins. Exactly. And then, I mean, I won't even sleep on the Jets. I'll give the Jets a little bit of a fighting shot just to make it interesting. No, nah, I'm far, sleep on them. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, as far as the conference goes, everybody everybody gets up for that conference in the AFC East whenever they. Whenever they play each other. And the same thing with the AFC North and the Bears and the South with the Titans. But to come back to the Panthers for a moment, everybody has pretty much at this point written the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into the Super Bowl. Let's assume that they automatically win the NFC South. Okay, I'll give it to them that their defense and the fact that they've got all 22 starters from that uh, Super Bowl winning team returning, the fact that they have shored up the offensive line, they got another year worth of healthy Tom Brady. Okay, cool. Now, when it comes to the other three teams, the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Atlanta Falcons, I easily see us being able to be the second team in the division and procuring one of the wild card spots. And here's why. Our offense has been lacking that big arm that has been necessary when we got um, Bridgewater last year, I knew that he had the accuracy that we hadn't had in several years, but he it was essentially that game manager type player. Uh, his poor decisions last year cost us eight different games. He And we've talked about the stat before in different weeks where uh, he was 0-8 in game-winning opportunities in the fourth quarter um, to be able to give those victories. So Sam Darnold has the arm. He, at USC, was just the prototypical-looking quarterback for the NFL. Um, I think coupled in Joe Brady's offense, the fact that even last year with without a, a, an effective high-level quarterback and without Christian McCaffrey, we were still sixth in yards per drive in the league. And so you add in Sam Darnold and his arm. You add in Christian McCaffrey. We still got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. The fact that we've got... Um, 
Sam Darn, uh, not no, Sam, not Sam. Uh, Slow down. Slow Dan down. Arnold, the tight end that comes in from Arizona, and even wait, the- wait, 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 bro. Yo. So we've got Sam Darnold and Dan Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Sam Donald, Donald to Arnold. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Oh, and I, hopefully, I hope we get it five times fast, pause, Dan throughout Arnold, the season. Um, right. And even rookie, the rookie Terrence Marshall, bro, like, our offense is going to authentically be legit. With the pace that I know Brady wants to, to have that offensive running at, um, it's, it's going to be lightning fast. It's going to have dynamic playmakers up and down the field. Now, the drawback of the last two years has been the defense and our inability to get off the field on third down. Um, I think we were like 31st last year in third down percentage. At the end of the day, when Luke Keekley retired, it hurt the team. It hurt the defense. But I think the core of Shaq, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, um, these boys are ready to come out here and 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 really they've got the, all those rookies that we took with the full seven uh, every draft pick we had from last year being on the defensive side they've now got a year more of development um, and I really feel like they could help to, to really get that line get the defense where it needs to be the one key part on the defense Denzel Perriman I really feel like he's going to be able to shore up um, really the void that we have that's been open since Keekley retired. And our defense has the potential to be special. Now, do I think we're going to be 15-1? and one? No. But do I realistically think that we could, um, if we take one from Tampa and beat the rest of the division, um, it, it it's looking likely that we can make the playoffs, man. Thoughts? You broke that down. <laughs> there's nothing that I can really – I'm a Panthers fan, so I'm looking for every possible way or route – for us to make the playoffs and you've drawn out uh, illustrated kind of a path for us, you know, we'll still have to definitely be some tough games in the division, regardless of who new Orleans has as their starting quarterback. There's still a tough, it'd be a tough, you know, a tough out. Atlanta's always tough for whenever we play them, you know, and then of course, we know what we got down there in Tampa Bay to deal with. So, you 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 spelled out a good path for us. Okay. Now we got to see it it all play out. Like you said though, on the low, it's almost like the anticipation for Clay Thompson at Golden State. You know, Christian's coming back. We hope that nothing. You know, mm-hmm. we we pray for his full health and stuff uh, when he comes back. But you know, we want to like that with what Robbie Anderson was able to do with what. DJ was able to do and some of these other guys were able to do. Now let's see it all come together with with a Sam Darnold and a Dan Arnold. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> so with the over under of seven and a half games, um, you taking the over or you taking the under? Um I mean I would take the over, just being again, being a Panthers fan, wanting us to see the playoffs of some sort. Uh, you definitely would probably need nine games in our division or um, or to, to snatch up the wild card. You're definitely going to need nine or ten games. So, you know, yeah, I'll take the over. Okay. Well, we'll revisit that throughout and definitely at the end of the season to see. Um, I'm going to take the over as well. I honestly can see this team 
and 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 heavily is probably the fan in me, but I don't really even too much care. It is Carolina sports talk after all. And again, this is Carolina sports talk. It's your man Big Cliff sitting in with my guy DJ Highstar. Check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on the Carolina sports talk line to be a part of the show. Cliff at carolinasportstalk.net, or you can hit us on our social media pages at Carolina Sports Talk on Facebook and the Instagram. So as we move forward, we do want to talk about fantasy football. So it is time for fantasy football, you guys. Uh, We're going to do a little preview, basically, of, I guess, our strategies. Um, I, this year, will be in a league with DJ Highstar. I look forward to uh, taking you down, bro. Pause. <laughs> yo, can we? Yo. Can you Pause. Dog. So let's start off with the, the with fantasy football draft. We um. Let's start off with your resume. How many tips do you have under your belt, bro? Within the last couple of years, you mean? All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. With whatever <laughs> and so my my thing with fantasy football, I always start off like super super good in the regular season and then have injuries the years that i don't do as well is only almost always because of injuries the most recent championship i had um was the 2018 season um because i don't think i did one league last two leagues last year lost in the championship game in one of the leagues and the other one i just bottomed out um i I was lucky enough to get the first round pick drafted christian mccaffrey he got hurt um i had saquon barkley he got hurt. Um, my top three overall picks all got hurt, um, and because of the strategy that I use, it it, it 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 hurts. If you if you miss early, you're gonna miss big. Um, so we we play ESPN format. I know we well this year is the ESPN format. What um what what other formats have you done in the past? Because I know you did a couple of different ones last year. Uh, CBS, um, NFL. I think those are the two main ones that I've done before, CBS and NFL. Okay. So uh, ESPN, I've done I've done the Yahoo. I think I actually started off no, in the Yahoo as well. Yeah, I did Yahoo was the first one I did back in 2006 was my first year doing fantasy. Um, my strategy is uh, first round, I'm always going running backs. My first two rounds, I'm typically trying to get some running backs just because the value is there a bit different than it is with some of the other – other positions i've seen cats who go and get quarterbacks in the first round and uh, in third round they're getting kickers it's like the value isn't there and for those of you who may not you're saying as far as points or possible points you can get with these guys consistently precisely because because you know how much they'll be touching the ball exactly and and just overall i want to say with espn's format they recommend the first they wouldn't even they don't even touch quarterbacks until ninth, tenth round often. It doesn't quite work out with that with most of my drafts because there's almost it's almost always um somebody who's gonna get your Tom Brady's, your Cam Newtons, your uh Patrick Mahomes in like the third round, and then all of a sudden now it's a run at quarterbacks. But what I do is I sit and I watch them because while they're snatching up all of those quarterbacks and they're going and getting all of these other players. I'm sitting in all of these high-quality running backs and wide receivers are falling into my laps. And then I can go and then back in the seventh or eighth round and get 
a high quality, let's say a Dak Prescott, or to say get Josh Allen, a Josh Allen, and who's still going to be putting up those same types of numbers, but now I've got also the core, the, the high level running backs and wide receivers to accompany with them, and that's almost always the reason that I've been as successful as I've been within the regular season. Uh, it's because I, I take that strategy. So, what what, what do you kind of look for when you're preparing your draft? Um, I'm similar in that regard, but to be frank, I'll I'll make cowboy moves, um, <laughs> like at at some of my favorite players or some if something's on the board. In other words, if a Travis Kelsey is on the board, and it might be the third round or the you know the fourth round or something. Depending on the type of draft, if it's a snake draft or or whatever, mm-hmm. I might just because I know that my time might not be coming back around and for a minute. If they're there, I might just you know do some do some cowboy stuff like that, and and grab you know something unconventional. But to your point, I think about skills players and then I think about um, kind of locks and and and. Whenever it comes to receivers, I think about locks or tight ends. I think about locks, people that offenses are built around. So, um, you know, you got Edwards out in Green Bay, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, again, some of our younger tight ends that are doing their thing in the league. You know that they're going to get theirs. You know, <laughs> but they're going to at least get the, the looks. So, and then, the, I mean, the thing that you can't navigate and that always makes it fun and exciting and has your anxiety and blood pressure up is the injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So from day one, like you said, like if my first three guys get injured, a fantasy player like myself, I might be hanging it up for the season as soon as it happens. Or, <laughs> or I might, you know, test the market and see what I have of value on my roster or what I have that I could use on my roster to compete still and then look in the free agency market um, what do you what do you feel about um, movement and transactions in your league as far as um, you know trades and different things like that? Not necessarily free agency, but what do you think about movement within the league and having to communicate with other people? Are you a briber? Are you a yo? Let me buy you lunch if you scratch my back. <laughs> I'm not necessarily a, um, a briber, but I'm absolutely a vulture. If I see a cat who I can very clearly see. You hadn't set your lineup in three weeks. I'm texting you, bro. What's good? I need you to go ahead on and approve that mm. that that trade. Last <laughs> last season, I did it with my cousin. It's like for almost five or six consecutive weeks, he did not log in, and I was like, "Yo, man, uh, go ahead and uh, approve that uh, that trade for me real quick." And then he decided, "Oh no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna come back, man. I'm coming back." And then he wants to come back and almost won. <laughs> <laughs> almost won the league because I brought him back into it. But um, the, the, I'm, I'm more of the waiver wire guy, and I don't want to give you give away all of my secrets, especially because I'm going to be playing in a league against you this year. But I live on the waiver wire. My best season, the best performance that I really have been proud of, um, and I still had the championship ring from that season, was the 2017 season. Um, there was a league that I was in that um, – I was out in the field working, recruiting uh, at the college, and the draft was set for um, like whatever six o'clock or whatever in the evening, and the event ran long. And when we finished, me and some of the other counselors were like, "Well, hey, let's go get a drink, hang out." Da 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 da. And we were sitting there, and about eight o'clock, somebody was like, "Oh man, 
I got to make sure I go and set my lineup for my draft. And that light bulb went off. I was like, oh, my God, the draft. And I logged in just in enough time to hear the doot, 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 doot. And it was picking. The auto pick had picked my final roster spot. My heart was broke, man, because the tr- the team they gave me was I was about to say, auto garbage. picks ain't always bad. Listen, this particular one was garbage. And because primarily because they followed the trends and the 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 ratings when in reality you've got to go along with the flow of what that uh of what your draft room is actually doing. As I mentioned, with if you've got somebody and they're starting and you see that there's a run on wide receivers early, then you want to go ahead and try. Now, this year is going to be a little bit different just because there are so many quality wide receivers. This draft class that came in this year and last have really added a, an immense level of depth for that position. But let's say with running backs, as a result, there's less quality running backs in the league. There's going to be you've got maybe five that can say that you would say are going to be the top tier. Your your um, um, Christian McCaffrey's of the world, or what's Caffs in uh, New York? Um, so th- there's only going to be a handful of guys who are going to be just Derrick Henry, De- your Derrick Henry's of the world. Um, and so once those guys are gone, it's like that's it. And so I'm not dri- I'm not drafting a wide receiver in the first round. I'm likely not to do so in the second round. I want I want running backs and wide receivers. I'm sta- saving for the later rounds. Quarterbacks. Same thing. I'm, I'm after I've got certain roster spots, and then from there, when we get into like the fifth and sixth round, now I'm looking to 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 get into your tight end zone, and now I'm looking at unless like there's just the Bears defense if they're you know anticipated to be like that, or in this upcoming year, I think Washington's defense and I think Tampa's defense are going to be two of the best ones in the league, and so let's say we're in the eleventh round and I see them sitting there, then I'm I'm gonna take a flyer. I'll likely be one of the guys who's going to take a special teams defense player early. Um, kickers, same thing. I'm not. I'm. I almost. I rarely, rarely will draft a quick a kicker. Um, mm. Only simply because there are so many, and and with the waiver wire being what it is, most teams, most uh, fantasy football players aren't going to put multiple kickers on this team, and so there's always going to be quality kickers out there. So I, I I rarely even waste a draft spot for them. But with that seven, with that um, the, the last auto draft squad. I finished the regular season with a seven and five record uh, and then went on to win that championship because I lived on the waiver wire as players started to get hot, as different teams started making different moves and and, and throughout the season every week I was there kind of listening to ESPN and checking out the news and seeing who was doing what and able to pick up those players that a lot of other cats um, w- weren't really paying attention to like last year with uh, Claypool. When Claypool mm-hmm. busted, bursted on the scene with that four-touchdown game, I was able to scoop him up off the waiver wire and plug him in immediately and start getting some points. Uh, when Taysom Hill last year was designated to get the start for Drew Brees when he had those cracked ribs, uh, for one week uh, they had him listed at both tight end eligible and quarterback eligible. And so with him starting as a quarterback, I was able to – but designated as a tight end, I was able to put him into my tight end position, so I had a starting quarterback and an, essentially another starting quarterback in a tight end's role, and that definitely helped me win that matchup that week as well. Mm. Yeah, man. So what? Do, what's your most uh, memorable draft story, draft steal, draft season, in the fantasy season, anything like that? Um, it's similar. I missed the draft. Uh, it, again, it didn't hold as much stock with me. But I auto drafted, and it wasn't a bad team. That like when I looked at it, 
Mm-hmm. My draft grade and all of that stuff was high and everything. So um I won the regular season and I'm like, oh, we got a we got a shot. And I think this was the year before last because Christian McCaffrey was healthy and I had him. And um yeah, just made a good a good solid run for it. Last year in the league in the I, I believe it was one of the two leagues that I was in last year. Um, but it's a league that I do every year with my best friend um and his family and i won that one okay so matter of fact i want to say the last year i was a two i was back-to-back champion in that Mm. particular league because the first year that i won it i had uh i guess meek mill I had Meek Mill's Championships. One of his albums' name is Championships, and I had the album cover up or whatever like that after I won. So that and that's the league that I talked <laughs> the biggest trash in. So last year it auto drafted for me, but I was talking trash from beginning to end because it was a dude at the beginning of the season that I really don't know him like that. Uh-huh. He's like an in-law, and he popped something spicy in the little group chat that we got and said something like, "Oh, like you know." Um, uh, off in church is not gonna win this year or something like that. <laughs> that's my, by the way, I was waiting on it. You know, I was gonna bring it to you. Go ahead. Yeah, that's my team name, Off in Church. Um, and why is the name of your fantasy football team Off in Church? Well, because nobody beats Off in Church. So. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to bleep that. I don't know. <laughs> No, but I'm tell you what you you're not gonna be able to hear it. But I'm finna get a hold up. Matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, I had to give you one. For that. Nobody beats off in church. Good night. But uh, <laughs> what are some of the other the other names that you've had on on some of those uh, rosters? On as far as team names, yeah. Anything else? Um, I can't think on the spot, but I I definitely have Googled. Use Google to, to come up with some creative joints in the past and, and try to stand out or whatever like that. Um, I love when people use like a player's name creatively and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I haven't. I, nothing stands out. Often church has kind of stood the test of time for me for about five seasons, six seasons. Okay. I've typically been um, traditional in my names. Um, whatever city I'm living in at the time is the first part of it. And then like this, um, Annihilators have often oh, been Lord. the Rock Hill Annihilators. Um, oh, I'm looking man. back at my uh, 2019 league was the Rock Hill Annihilators. The year bef- uh, before was the Rock Hill Mash Unit because everybody just was going way down. Now that's hard. Uh, I also, uh, another one of my leagues from last year, uh, my team name was I'm Gonna Win. And then one of our frat brothers had his team name. No, you're not. <laughs> awesome. That's the type of stuff. That's that's the type of stuff that I love about fantasy football season. Now, your annihilators thing. That's more like a creative play. I mean, creative team on Madden back in like '03 or '04 <laughs> when you used to put all your high school teammates on it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
Bro, it is hilarious some of the stuff that we used to do, bro. Like, and, and y'all can be, act like y'all ain't never done it out there, but y'all exactly. <laughs> man, I'm gonna make sure I'm a, a little bit better than everybody else, though, man. Make, right, I'm but 96. I'm gonna put the whole team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually have a little bit of news um, that I am going to share both with you, DJ Highstar, and all of our listeners. Uh, I have made the decision that for this upcoming year. We will have a Carolina Sports Talk Fantasy Football League. Um, it will be open to all of our listeners. It will include both you and me and any listener that wants to be able to be a part of it. So if you are interested in being a part of the inaugural Carolina Sports Talk Fantasy Football League, hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. It will be an up to 12 team ESPN PPR league. And for those who may not be familiar with, and this is open to both beginners and or if you are a seasoned vet, uh, feel free to come on through and jump on it. But the PPR is a points per perception points per reception league, which is just a little bit more fun type of uh, level for the playoffs. Uh, so if you're interested in that, hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line. Cliff at carolinasportstalk.net will get you in. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about with regards to draft and just, and this is something that is actually set by your league commissioner. It is important not to have your draft too early. Too many times I've seen folks where just as the preseason is starting or in the beginning of, uh, as soon as they announce the seasons, they're setting the draft. You want to be able to, to determine what that roster is even going to look like uh, and, and between that and injuries and any moves and any trades, you want to be in the best position to have the most accurate and, and, and just most dominant rosters possible. And so that's hard to do when you don't know which players are going to make the team, uh, who's going to get hurt and what and all of those positions. So I typically try to have the drafts um, the week before the regular season begins just so that those roster sets um, are completed. So that's likely when we will have the, uh, the draft for it. So if you're interested, again, shoot us an email. I'll put it out on the social media. If you are interested, it is going to be first come, first serve. We will go up to a 12-person team, uh, excuse me, 12-team league uh, for the first inaugural Carolina Sports Talk Fantasy Football League. So That's, that's awesome, man. And we're going to offer 50% off. You can cash up your $100. To- <laughs> it is going to be a free league, but the winner, I, I do have a prize for the winner. Um and so I'm hoping, you know, it's likely going to be me. So I get so to for the prize, prize pot. It's a free league, but for the prize pot, everybody, you can cash at me again. <laughs> at- <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, check it out. Hit us up on the social media and we will move forward with that. So as we continue on in the show, um, we both recently had the privilege of checking out uh, the new documentary, Untold, uh, Malice at the Palace. On Netflix, um, and, if, and if you're not familiar with it, the Malice in the Palace happened on my birthday, November the nineteenth. Listen, ah, you li- listen, my fault, bro. <laughs> when I was watching it, I said, "Oh, I'm gonna intro this topic, lovely." <laughs> matter of fact, ahead, go ahead. Matter of no, fact, I'm gonna pass it to you. Go ahead. Go, nah, go ahead, you give got it that. You got that because that was the only thing I was gonna use for my intro. But go ahead. <laughs> the fact that it was my birthday. Yes, in 2004. Yeah. Now here's how and why I remember it. It was homecoming week at Claflin University. Um, the you were an Omega. I was the bros already, so I was like cooking, getting chicken ready for that homecoming. Because if I'm not mistaken, it was like a Friday night before homecoming. 
Bros had just gotten into town. We're all at the at a little preset. We're all sitting talking, bros being bros, watching the game. And when it came on, everybody was like, yeah, when they started fighting, it just bros went nuts. Um, the documentary was really well put together. Um, Agreed. And, and, and so for those of you who may not remember, the, uh, the the Malice at the Palace was within the Indianapolis, the Indian, uh, not Indianapolis, the Indiana. Indiana. Stay with me. <laughs> the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons got into a brawl following a hard foul by Ron Artest to uh, Big Ben. Ben Wallace. Uh, and a, a small melee ensued. Um, and it, it just follows the steps of the event that night of the Pacers going into the crowd and fighting and um, the, the the members there in Detroit just really going bananas and trying to just give it to them fellas, man. Um, what really stood out to you? What perceptions were changed or what kind of made you, what was your favorite parts of the documentary? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a couple things. So the beginning kind of chronicling the players' paths to to them getting there. So of course the JO, uh, mm-hmm. being from Carolina, shout beep, out beep, beep, Eau Claire, shout out Eau Claire and and all of that. But um, being from Carolina or, or going to high school down here in Charlestown in Charleston, you know, you always heard Jermaine O'Neal's name whenever we was coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and that 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 brought that back home, but then also the Stephen Jackson thing. Um, and just showing like these guys in their raw element. Like I yes. think nowadays you get you see like younger players and you know, we thought that LeBron was doing it big by driving a Hummer in his senior year or whatever like that. These guys these days got two hundred thousand dollar cars easily. Yes. You know what I mean? And they they're driving them around, they got Dior sneakers or or designer shoes and designer clothes. When you look back then, you could tell the NBA might have been just scratching a billion because then another thing about it is let's think about the era that we were in. So Carmelo, LeBron, they just got drafted. D-Wade, they just were drafted. Mm-hmm. So they were young. The league was not putting out the best product on TV at that time, if right. you think about it. So let's, let's put all of that into context and together, include it with their previous playoff matchup like that they highlighted right uh-huh. that, that brewed and cooked up a little bit but again at the the league was trying to find an identity yes. uh, they were trying to find what the league was about and, and again what the league's dna was at that time because i can remember like the o2 draft no offense to the o2 draft of my boy juan dixon Maryland, okay. Uh-huh, no offense uh-huh. to no offense to, to 2002, but they wasn't it wasn't that spicy. Oh, one wasn't that crazy when we're talking about draft class and and talent that they were bringing in. So you had your physical play, and one thing I also wanted to highlight uh, before I kind of bounce back to you is let's give it up for the Queens native himself. At that time, he was MVP candidate like the year before and that year he was primed to be an MVP Ron Artest he was playing a Ron high level Artest of ball was MVP quality around that time and um again the document the documentary does a beautiful job at illustrating 
how primed the Pacers were for a championship. Bro. They were ready, bro. bro. <laughs> I, I don't think I realized. That game alone. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't think I realized and or remembered from that How era. nice they was? Because they, they were like that, especially with the year before and then the pieces that they just added and consistently. The dogs that they had. And then they didn't even <sighs> highlight the fact that Jamal Tinsley was running the point. But he's another New York native, but dogs that could get the job done. And then you got a veteran like Reggie Miller to orchestrate the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. With the young J.O. out there. Um, one of the things that the the documentary, and, and as most documentaries do, but this one did in a really organic nature to me, was give you the background, as you mentioned, of the players to tell you how each of their stories collectively came and how it even that much more made that point and that pinpoint uh, event how it pivoted all of their careers in so many Absolutely. different ways. Um, Absolutely. It, 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 to see how J.O. Uh, got into the league, to see where Ron Artest was coming from at that point, to see the mentality of what Steven Jackson had, their interactions in practice, to know that there was that volatil- volatility even within their own team. And, 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 and then just how it all came to head in that point and to see the protagonists, or the antagonists, rather, in that instance and who... And how that situation got so much bigger and worse than it should have been and could have been. Um, from, from Ben Wallace really starting the whole thing, throwing that, uh, throwing his headband, wrist wristband, headbands, yes, uh, yes. at Ron Artest, and how then agitating the crowd or getting the crowd exactly. enticing or exciting the crowd. And because uh, crowd groupthink is a real thing, and and absolutely. mob mentality is real as well. Um, and if you're in that crowd and you got a Pistons jersey on, you at the end of the day, you like, we from Detroit. The you D. Know, we from Detroit. I know what we up, know though? all the now, but we from Detroit. <laughs> Let me also say this, big bro, because this stood out to me a whole lot. With the recent Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka stuff, mm-hmm. Ron was crying for help. Now, granted, it looks silly, of course, with rap albums that you drop in or planning to drop or you appearing at the Source Awards and stuff. But he was asking for mental health breaks. And now when you when you compare that or you you pair that together with the talent that that he had at his peak at the peak of his career and also the mind that you have. Right. You don't you don't write off mentally. um mentally ill people or people that have a mental challenge or mental sickness as crazy, right? A lot of them are a lot smarter than us. So him being aware probably that he was nothing but a commodity, right? You might be reduced and and you look at a billionaire white man, let's just call it what it is, you know, and and you think to yourself, he can't ever do a fraction of the things that I do but he has 20 times the wealth that I'll ever have. And he'll always look at me as just, and I'm just speculating. I'm not saying that this, what was going through his head, but again, when he was asking for mental breaks, you have um, people that are pro organization and pro the mission or pro the championship like Jermaine O'Neal and also like a Reggie Miller, where at the beginning of the season, they know, look, we have this one goal. You're an intricate piece to that. We need you here at all times, right? right. And back then, a Dennis Rodman does that, a Ron Artest does that, and we call them crazy or not good teammates. When really, they may just need a mental health break. 
And and one of the parts that stood out to me was when he said that, like, it was the beginning of the season. He was like, yo, I need a break. And he was like, yo, we just getting started. You're talking about a break. Mentally, if that man need a break, bro. And you see, like, you, you mentioned Simone Biles and Osaka. Even Kyrie, he has gotten to Absolutely. the point where he's just like, yeah. And then he was ostracized for it. Exactly. Right. And, and and so there, uh, as, as many strides as we have made, there's still room to go. Um, with your more larger-than-life personalities, um, it's going to be a little bit different, a little harder for individuals to kind of know how to take and how to receive that. But at the end of the day, it is still something that is absolutely important that we have to take into account. I respect Kyrie. Like, I, I, I have always been one to kind of clown him and be like, Yo, well, this dude here is wild. But at the end of the day, he knows when he needs his break and he's going to take it. If he if he knows what's important to him, he love. I don't think he loves the game of basketball any less. But he understands and realizes it's it's a game. It, it it's a platform that allows me to really do and contribute to the things and the ways that I want to contribute. Absolutely. Um, we we've uh, kind of enumerated some of the things that he's done for not just the community here, but even abroad and in Africa. Um, at the end of the day, he's a man who knows himself, knows what he wants and what he doesn't want, and so we got to respect him, man. Um, well, and and that's the thing of the the beauty of of the divinity with life or kind of life having its own art or poetry and how it works itself out. These younger players, they went through the George Floyd situation. They went exactly. through these different things, Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And and strangely enough, of course, like to tie everything together as far as seven degrees of separation, you know, who was George Floyd, rest in peace, his quote unquote brother or twin brother, you know what I mean? Yep, Steve Jackson. Jackson. Now, so I thought back to that when they showed when when Stephen Jackson was explaining how he got the phone call from Donnie Walsh and um and again showing the him around his boys and stuff like that. You know, I immediately thought to George Floyd, right? To be frank, um, and Stephen Jackson was my MVP of the whole thing. The whole thing, bro. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you what, in checking him out on um. All the smoke uh, podcast with uh, another another real real type dude with Matt Barnes. He has gotten my respect since he got out of the league. And uh, I had a conversation that actually earlier today. I make love to pressure. <laughs> people think because sports and sports athletes are celebrities, and I'm doing the air quotes, that they're somehow different. When in the reality of it is. They're real people who are in a business. The business is designed to entertain and to make money. Um, we can't look at them any different than being real people. Uh, and so documentaries like this really give us an opportunity to, to peek behind the curtain and to see, as I mentioned, this one was really well put together. Netflix has been been doing their thing, man, and, and specifically with this one here, um, they, they, they got a winner on it. I wouldn't be surprised to see this one. Uh, win some awards so if you've not yet gotten a chance to check it out it is again the un the name of this uh documentary is untold uh the malice at the palace and it is available on netflix one last question for you bro mm -hmm. what what um what or who do you feel the who do you feel bad for the most walking away from that doc oh jo without doubt Easy. not reggie no reggie is another one though but see reggie had the difference is Reggie had years of opportunity. Yes, that one was potentially his last real shot, but he had years of fa failure. Let's call it what it was. He did not achieve the goals that were set 
um, whether it be because of the teams or whatever, whatever. But he had those nah, years. But yeah, he had the Mark Jackson, uh, Dale Davis, mm-hmm. Antonio Davis, Rick Smith days. You're right. And so he had yeah. those opportunities. with and, 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 and I don't want to reveal too much from it, but just from the perspective and how it was painted and revealed and even the ramifications, if you look at it, they mentioned in the doc that each one of them went on to win championships, uh, again, without with the exception of Reggie, at other places. And Jermaine O'Neal, right? Um, Jermaine was the one, the only one who didn't. And, right. and he never was able to really recover from the ramifications of that incident. So um, my heart definitely went out to bro. Like, yeah, he caught he caught an L in more ways than one. <laughs> the Carolina kid always gets the short end of the stick. Mm-mm. So, yeah, go check that out on Netflix, and uh, you will not be disappointed with that. Um, as we move on with the show, we want to talk about uh, just kind of pivot completely because there's no good transfer or transition for this. We want to talk about college and pro COVID protocols. Um, we mentioned last week on how the effects of the protocols are have the potential to really change and uh, and the outcome of the game on not only on the field but in long term. We know that last season um, the NFL lost a lot of money based on the the protocols, not just for the teams but for the fans in the stadiums. Um, in particular, this upcoming year. Um, they have decided to go ahead and open up all of the stadiums, um, but let's 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 focus first on the field with the NFL and its protocol. Um, the NFL announced and informed the clubs uh, back at the end of well, I say end of summer, still in the summer, but uh, back in the end of July that um, if there was an outbreak amongst COVID, uh, a COVID nineteen outbreak among unvaccinated players, um, that it could lead to forfeited games. We know last year when uh, the pandemic was in full, early full swing, because it's very much still in full swing now, um, they had the flexibility to move games and to switch things around. They, they schedule, if you will. Exactly. They bragged and boasted that they didn't have to cancel any games, but they definitely did. Um, like the, the, the Steelers probably caught the, the short end of the stick with having five of their games last year moved to different weeks, including waiting some time and all that kind of stuff. Um, their threshold is 70% to reduce the COVID protocols for the players um, with only one team actually. And I forget who it was. I got to go back and look. Only one team has actually maintained or obtained and reached the level of hundred percent vaccination with the Washington Reds, the Washington football team being the lowest, although they have now raised their vaccination percentage up to 60%. At one time, they were maintaining around 30% vaccination. Um, but the, this this upcoming season, if an unvaccinated player misses times, they have to forfeit game checks. Um, if the team has to miss a game, they actually can forfeit the entire game, which now has the ramifications on their playoff implement, uh, uh, implications as well. Um, with regard to the NFL, what kind of sticks out to, in, in your thoughts on its protocol procedures? Um, the the fines, certainly, that the clubs are, are facing. And look, uh, it may be a a deeper level to all of this or esoteric level, if you will, but outside of the health, you weigh, you know, that the concerns for health or the concerns for capital. And what, again, we've, we've talked about this at nauseum in the past, but 
what what set what what holds a precedent what supersedes what and right now of course it it's everything that they can do to to keep the precautions or to have the precautions to protect the the brand but also everything they can do to save the loss or that um you know that they've seen last year in other words they did god they you know i don't think that they'll make the money that they would make fully of course when we were pre-covid if you will mm-hmm. but they're definitely trying to hit those numbers or get back close to numbers as close as they can um and uh, the other thing that stands out again was it as funny as it sounds uh fantasy football players we, we were i mean fantasy football managers rather we were on the on the ropes about how to manage last year last season because the nfl had a whole you know this was on the fly and it was things that we were finding out daily exactly affecting your moves in fantasy and and granted with the uh high star excuse me with the uh, carolina sports fantasy league it's only you know that discounted hundred dollars but there's cats out there, man, paying like a thousand dollars or you know more, yeah. of course. But there's there's big money at stake, and I can imagine how they felt last year. Even with the the implementation now, and this is something I thought they should have had long ago, but um, the implementation on the ESPN league of the I the injured reserve spot that was something that was new during the COVID season. If there was, if there was a player that was designated. Uh, out for COVID or if they were on in the COVID watch protocols or whatever, you were able to move them to that um, IR position and not actually lose that roster spot. Because uh, before that, you would just literally have to like lose the player and put them on the waiver wires and somebody else could go and claim them and stash them on your, on their bench for when they got healthy. So uh, that, that, that was big. And there, there was a lot of money that was potentially lost. Um, now if we, as we flip over to the NCAA side, um, they've got similar protocols in place. Um, one of the biggest things that uh, the NCAA is implementing is that those who are unvaccinated um, will have to test three times per week. Um, now, I'm not sure. Like, I've not luckily not had to been tested um, since last. Oh, it's been a couple of months now, but since like the last since last winter, um, they're, they're they're not doing. When I first took my <laughs> so uh, uh, oh goodness. Hey, come, come. Hey, hey, hey. Calm down. <laughs> I'm just thinking back to that thing. That thing got me razzled, boy. But for those who had to take a COVID test early when they were first coming out, they took the swab and it felt like they were trying to scratch your brain with that thing, bro. Um, now with the quick tests and everything else, they can either do it with the saliva or um, with just a quick swab around in there. But still, it's, it's a nuisance to have to go through and break your routine and to go and be tested up to three times a week and then have the results. But at the end of the day, it, for me, it just further lets us know and further displays why we should not be having these sports in the first place. Mm. I understand the financial obligations, requirements, greed, if you would, that many of these institutions, including the AA and the NFL have. I understand the necessity of people wanting to get back to normal, but at the end of the day, we're not in normal times. This is not, I, I listen to commercials that are on the radio as the world get back to, gets back to normal. We're not normal yet. The, the, the variants right. that ha- have, have presented themselves both in the Delta and now in the Lambda and, and, and all of these other things, it still says that we are not now granted, and you and I, again, we've talked uh, 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 ad nauseum at this point 
um, with our views and with uh, with the vaccine and its effectiveness and its purpose. Um, but at the end of the day, COVID is still real. It is still rampant. And now we're finding that specifically with the NCAA, that younger people are getting it and dying here in our area. There was just, um, it was just revealed earlier this week that a young 16 year old kid in Lancaster died from co- from from the effects of COVID. We're seeing that schools that have been open now for a week are showing hundreds of students that have either contracted and or are quarantined under the protocols of being a close contact where this thing that once believed, because I can remember early on, oh, COVID don't affect black people. And then, oh, no, now we're the ones to get it the worst. Oh, well, COVID don't affect the young. Oh, well, no, now they're getting it too. It's like th- there's too many unknowns for things to be still as willy nilly as they are and to still be as wide open as they are. Listen, I don't, I don't want to, you know, again, take it to this, this part, but even down to, you know, I hate how politicized it is because down to wearing a mask, mm. whether I'm vaccinated or not, um, you know, it's my prerogative to wear a mask. And, and now it's becoming polarizing to wear a mask when last, just last year, and last summer, that was the main thing that mm-hmm. everyone was on. But now, because it's it's a partisan issue, mm-hmm. now people are blindly taking sides, and um, and again judging the other side, if you will. And and I don't like the stares that I get in Whole Foods, bro, or like but <laughs> if I have my mask on and everybody else doesn't. And it oh, it is so crazy to me to to see. You can very clearly, and I'm not going to say what the lines are, but you can very clearly see those lines in public places. You, there, there's a certain group of individuals who have them and certain ones who don't. And when it's strayed from what the clear line is, then the extra eyes go, like you say, bro, you can look at me. I'm wearing my mask, bro. Like, I, having felt directly and really close as well the effects of what this virus can do, it, I'm not. I'm not playing with it, and and it's it's so wasteful when it does not have to be. To, to the loss of human life and people saying, "Oh, well, less than so and so percent of the people actually die." Sickness is not necessary if it is prevented. I saw uh, simple things like a meme that said, "Let's let's explain masks. If someone pees on your leg and you don't have on pants, your leg is going to get wet." But if they have, if they don't have on pants, and they pee on your leg, and you've got on pants, you're gonna get wet, just not as wet. But if they've got on pants, and then you've got on pants, and they pee, you're not gonna get wet. It's the very same principle with the mask. It's not something that 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 it should be hard to be able to preserve and and help not just only protect yourself. But to protect others and 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 so many other people's families, man, like it's beyond yeah, me. I, um, well, I liken it to the uh, the hypocrisy around voting as well, right? When uh, he asked people, and I, I hate to make this again anything political, but it might ask people in the last election who they're voting for. They say somebody that's unfavorable and kind of extra tan or orange, and then you say, you know. Oh well, you're the bad person, or you da 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 da. It's like no. So in this situation, it's like people are screaming that they want freedom or that they're pro freedom and pro America, and it's our right 
Well, that person that's wearing the mask is there right as well. And uh, also when it comes down to the vaccinated and unvaccinated argument, I think I think the same thing, although um, although I, I am starting to see, again, values in the vaccination, of course, or in people being vaccinated. Um, you know, I just I have my own reservations about that. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I got you. And, 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 and that's that's fine. The biggest thing for me is the options. We 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 I had a discussion with somebody off air um, regarding the vaccines and and when it comes to sports, I don't think that any of the leagues should mandate it and have or have that autonomy to make it a requirement. The same way the jobs shouldn't be able to. The same way that um, that I see so many restaurants and like New York City just en- enacted a thing that says if you're going to be out in public, you have to have that vaccination card to be able to come into to the, the outdoor, the, the indoor buildings and to eat or to go to these events. Um, I don't know that it should be mandated. I, I understand incentivizing because there are very clear benefits. The, the science is what it is. Those who are vaccinated are less likely to die from the from the virus. That doesn't mean that people still can't get it, pass it or whatever, but they're less likely to uh, to die from the from the vaccine. And so it, at certain points, you think about previous vaccines, chickenpox. When I was coming up, everybody got chicken pox at some point. <laughs> like I can remember having it almost twice, I want to say. Um, and, and But now you hardly hear of anybody having it. That came through effective vaccinations. It came through there being um, herd immunity, so to say, from a large amount of people now having it. And so minimizing the spread, minimizing its contagiousness, if that's the word, um, and, and, and its, its spreadability. And so like... The more that there are, the more vaccinated people that there are, the less that this the COVID vaccine, the COVID virus is going to be able to spread, and the more that we can get away from it. But what happens now is not if you're not going to take the choice and the option to be vaccinated, take the choice and the option to help prevent the spread. But at the end of the day, we cannot just ignore that this is a reality. I am so sick of hearing about COVID nineteen. I am so sick about hearing these protocols and vaccinations. Um, But at the end of the day, until we as a world, I'm not even going to put this on the United States as a world, make a constant and a conscious decision to do something different to stop it. It's not going anywhere. And it's only mutating. Yes. (sighs) Wear your masks, folks. If we're not a political show here at Carolina Sports Talk, but we are going to tell you wear your masks. That's just a human people thing. So as we move or forward. Or don't look at me and don't shame me for wearing mine. <laughs> as we move forward, it is time for quick hits. It is the portion of the program where we talk some headlines and give you our quick thoughts about it and keep it pushing. First up, the Clippers trade Beverly Rondo and Oturu for Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe heading his way back to L.A thoughts the clippers treated uh pat beverly the way that pat beverly treated chris paul in that game (laughs) (laughs) get out of (laughs) here bruh pat bev got the boot bro i know that is a sad guy bro and i understand he's been on a couple of teams before and he's used to this um i almost am oh what's the word that i want to say 
I almost don't care because it's like it's the Clippers. Listen, I really don't care. Okay, you know the face. You know the face he's making is that face that he normally look at the refs with. The... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. As we move forward, the Jacksonville Jaguars have released tight end Tim Tebow. Talking about stuff we don't care about. <laughs> listen, listen. First of all. I'll I'll address the elephant in the room. How does like and even though it's I, even though it was a tight end position, even though mm-hmm. how does this guy get a job and Kylie Kaepernick still at home or or whatever mm-hmm. like Message. not even still at home, but has been at home for however long or whatever. But um yeah, we saw this coming. You called it. <laughs> you called it with a bullhorn, right? I did <laughs> loudly <laughs> from the top of the hills. <laughs> There's no way, 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 way. <laughs> I, I understand um, the fondness. I understand having leaders and veteran guys to be a part of your camp uh, and having camp bodies. And at the end of the day, it, it made some type of relevancy for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But at the end of the day, he was never going to make that squad. And had he made the squad... I would I would have boycotted Jacksonville Jaguar football <laughs> until he wasn't. So that's not a thing. Uh, matter of fact, nah, that ain't no thing. Uh, as we move forward, uh, last topic in quick hits. Walker ready to rebound with the hometown Knicks. Your man Kimball Walker has come back to the garden. Your thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Get over here. Now get out of here. <laughs> Get over here. I've just been practicing all my New York colloquialisms. I can't say the other one because it has, like, particular F-words in it. So I <laughs> but Particular. Now get out of here. Forget about it. Yeah, look at this guy over here. This guy. I've just been practicing getting back in my bag just in case, you know, I got to take a trip to the garden or anything. But uh, nah, I'm 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 pleased. I, you know, I like the acquisition, of course, if you will. Okay. Um, I think he just, if I'm not mistaken, was it a trade? No, nah, he was, was a part of the Fournier. Was he a part of the Fournier? Nah. No. So he was actually traded originally to Oklahoma City. That's what um, it was. And right. then obtained a buyout from them, um, and then since, since signed with the New York Knickerbockers. Right. So you know, we've still got Julius. We've got. You know, our, our people that we've had, we still got some work to do as far as signing some folks. But um, I'm I'm pleased with the move. Okay, I um, I'm going to reserve judgment until I see him and how healthy he is. How about you hold back all your judgment, Mister Laker? How about that? <laughs> and I would I, I would like to point out that I went a whole show without talking about my Lakers, since you know somebody had something to say about how much. <laughs> They were on the focal point. Is this Carolina sports talk or is it Los Angeles Lakers sports talk last week? <laughs> but now nah, we're good. I mean, I, 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 here's why I want to reserve the judgment. I am uh, from his time here in Charlotte. I have an affinity for Kimball Walker. Uh, I think that he has the potential to be Kyrie esque in his performance and leadership. Um, but it is going to be his exclusive choice. How healthy he is this year can definitely play a part in that and determine whether or not he um, is a rotational player or somebody who you forget that is even on the team. Um, So I'm going to hold off my uh, decision on this uh, move for him. I do wish him the best. Contrary to popular belief, I don't, I don't hate your Knicks. Um, They've just been oblivious for so long that it's just like, Oh, okay. 
the Knicks. Um, but I do I do enjoy when it, it's I will say this it's good for basketball when the New York Knicks are good at basketball. You know who I can guarantee the Knicks will have a better record than this this season coming up? Who's that? The New Jersey Nets. <laughs> <laughs> what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> and on that note, that will conclude our show for today. Hi, Star, what you got for the people, man? Nothing, man. I'm glad you didn't have too many verbal hiccups this week. I'm glad I was back here. You know, to, to keep me in everything. line. Police everything and hold everything down, whether it's remotely or not. You know, speedy recovery still, my brother. You know, we hope you the best. And uh, listen, man, can't wait to be back in studio with, with my fellow brethren. Already. Well, once again, this has been Carolina Sports Talk. It's your man, Big Cliff. You've listened to us either on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you check us out on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, at Carolina Sports Talk. Or hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff, at carolinasportstalk.net. Until next time, peace.